1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, September the 24th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 24th, 2001, President George W. Bush ordered a freeze on assets. 27 people and a number of other organizations, they were suspected to have links to terrorism, including Islamic militant Osama bin Laden. Today, in 1789, President George Washington signed a Judiciary Act. He established, uh, or it established, America's federal court system, creating the post of Attorney General. Today, in 1869, thousands of businessmen were ruined in Wall Street in a panic known as Black Friday. A couple of financiers, Jay Gold and James Fisk, they had been attempting to corner the gold market. That's what they say actually launched that. Today in 1929, Lieutenant James H. Doolittle, he guided a consolidated NY2 biplane. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know what a biplane is. A couple of, has two of those. They used to spray the orchards when I was a kid. They would spray those airplanes would come. They still do, I think. They would come over the orchard and, and real low to the tops of the trees with those biplane, the two wings on them. And uh, I, I, I shouldn't even say this, but I used to go out there till my dad found out what I was doing. And, you know, I don't know what they were spraying. If it was DDT. I mean, that was so lethal that it was finally outlawed, but you know, here I am. And, um, I, I don't know. I just found it very curious when I was a kid. But anyway, this was apparently kind of a plane like that. Anyway, he Doolittle made the first, um, all instrument flight over Mitchell field in New York with this, um, biplane. Today in 1934, Babe Ruth made his farewell appearance as a player with the New York Yankees in a game against the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox won 5 to nothing. Today in 1955, President Dwight D. Eisenhower suffered a heart attack. He was on vacation in Denver. Today in 1960, the USS Enterprise, the first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, uh, carrier was launched at Newport News, Virginia. And today, in 1960, the same day, the Howdy Doody show ended a nearly 13-year run, had its final telecast on NBC. Boy, the times have changed, haven't they? Would there be room for Howdy Doody or anything like that on television today? I doubt it. Today in 1976, former hostage Patty Hearst... Remember Patty Hearst? She was sentenced to seven years in prison for her part in a 1974 bank robbery in San Francisco. It had it on tape. You could see the video with her holding a gun there and participating in this thing. She later said, no, 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 she wasn't participating. She was a hostage. And they were making her do these things. And she maintained that story And because she was a Hearst. um, She was still uh, sentenced to 22 months, but Jimmy Carter gave her, President Jimmy Carter gave her clemency. Part of the time that she was supposed to be a hostage, I recall, it came out much after the fact, but remember Bill Walton, the guy, he played for the Portland Trail Blazers. While he was playing for the Blazers in um, Portland, Patty Hearst was staying with him in hiding. That came out later. She was hardly a hostage. But then again, Some people don't care about the facts. Today, 1991, children's author Theodore Seuss Geisel. He's better known as Dr. Seuss. He died in La Jolla, California. He was 87 years old when he died today in 1991. His books live on, although they tried to ban those, or I guess they did ban some of them here a year or so ago, because why did they do, were they racial? I can't remember. I mentioned it on this program, but they were either racial or sexist or, Whatever they were. Something was obviously wrong with them, Um, according to the powers that were marching the streets back then. Today, in 2019, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she launched a formal impeachment inquiry against President Donald Trump. We all remember that. The probe focused partly on whether Trump abused his presidential powers and sought help from the government of Ukraine to undermine Democratic political foe Joe Biden. Trump, of course, was acquitted on both impeachment episodes. I want to talk to you a little bit today about abusing presidential powers. It's not about Trump. We'll come back to that in a moment. But President Biden is warning the Border Patrol agents. Those guys are down there on our southern border trying to do their job. They can't because the president of the United States won't allow them to. Now he comes out yesterday President Biden, and he just takes these border guys to task, the ones that are riding those horses. You know, you've seen guys, they're on horseback. I mean, obviously it's much, they can do their job much better than running around in their sneakers. And so, and they, you know, a vehicle like a Jeep or something probably wouldn't be nearly as effective. So they're on horseback and they're trying to do their job and keep these border crossers from Haiti right now from coming across the border illegally. Biden is not having any of it. He wants them to come across the border illegally, and so does his political party. But now he's taking on these guys that are working down there. He, he issued a stern warning yesterday to Border Patrol agents that were seen this week chasing migrants on horseback. He said, not of the illegal aliens, but of, of the Border Patrol agents, he said, those people will pay. Some have said that they're using the reins of, you know, of the horse, um, the the bit, they're using the reins to whip these people and make them go back and stay in line and so on. I've seen some video of that. I didn't see them whipping them, but uh, people are accusing the Border Patrol of that. We live in a very, very, very precarious time. There have been many times like this before, but... We weren't around for the most part. Paul wrote, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then he goes through all of the parts of the armor, the, the spiritual armor. And he concludes that portion of scripture by saying, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. He continues in that thought In a letter we call Colossians, chapter 2, verses 10 and 15 say, And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What this means, bottom line, is simply that the, the enemy, Satan, is... Wandering around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but he will not devour you because you're going to put on the the whole armor of God. The helmet, the breastplate, you're going to gird up your Lord, the whole thing. You're going to put it on and you're going to follow the Lord. You're going to focus on God, he's saying to believers, not on what's going on around you so much, but you'll be aware of that. And he says, don't worry Don't be caught up in worry and fear and anxiety, because God, through his son Jesus Christ, you are complete in him, and he is the head of all principality and power, and he has spoiled principalities and powers. So yes, the the spiritual warfare in our world today is a spiritual one, much more than a political. The politics of today is merely a reflection of the spiritual warfare that's going on in our world uh, and in our, our nation today. So Paul is making the case to all Christians, because God preserved this, and it's the inerrant word of God, He's making the case to all Christians, including those to whom he wrote, that God has already conquered. So greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's no weapon that can be formed against us that can prosper because of God and the power of Almighty God. Jesus Christ met death head on and conquered Death, hell, and the grave. And he lives. So look at what's going on in our world today through that lens of God's Word. You'll understand in your heart that no matter what's going on in your personal life or in our world today, God has already overcome. God is the champion of all that's going on in the world, and he is in control. Never, ever forget that. But there is also an abundance of Scripture that tells us that we should be vigilant, that we should be informed, that we should have knowledge, that we should know what's going on, we should be engaged in our world, because we are salt and light. We are to put our candle out there and not put it under a bushel, but to live our lives openly for Jesus Christ. And part of that is knowing what's going on and understanding our times. The Bible puts a great deal of value on understanding the times in which we live. That's why we do what we do here on this program, and that's why so many of you support us. And I want to thank you for it. And thank you. We're already beginning to get some responses online for people giving a little extra to help us with our shortfall on our budget last month. Thank you so much. And I know others of you are probably intending to. I hope you are. Or maybe the Lord will speak to your heart and you'll do that. So thank you in advance. We we need it and uh, everything will be fine, but we just need you to help us right now. So thank you in advance. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009 box 399 bellevue washington 98009 our website is faithandfreedom a-n-d us i say this a lot of times but boy people still are they get kind of confused there are a lot of faith and freedoms out there and there weren't back in the day when we started using it. i mean there just was not but there is today so it's faith and freedom, all one word, faith and freedom, dot us, not dot com. Or whatever. So thank you. Thank you so much. The US House of Representatives is set to vote today unless they change their mind. And Nancy Pelosi sometimes has a mind to change. <clears throat> no pun intended. Anyway, they're set today to vote on this Women's Health Protection Act, WHPA. I just wanted to make you aware of that before I talk a little bit about some government presidential corruption today. It's all out there. The press is running away from it like mad because they don't want to talk about it, but it's all out there, and it's eventually going to get into the press. They're going to have to deal with this. It's that bad. But anyway, there's this vote. We'll get back to that other in a moment. But there's this vote today that's scheduled in the House. Women's Health Protection Act, WHPA. It will essentially codify Roe v. Wade, and then some. It will enshrine a so-called right to abortion into federal law. Well, the legislation's been introduced several times in Congress. This isn't the first time I've talked about such a bill on this program over the last few years. It is, however, gaining traction uh, with the left, for sure, and they're influencing some of the people who call themselves moderate. I don't really think many people are really moderate, but nonetheless, you know what I mean. But it is gaining some traction, and the Democrats are in control of the House, the Senate, by virtue of the vice presidential vote, and the White House. Democrats have also become emboldened, the pro-abortion people, after the U.S. Supreme Court allowed a Texas abortion law to go into effect, with, which restricts abortions after a fetal heartbeat, which is about, around six weeks. This, I mean, it was a great win, and we talked about it here, and praise the Lord for what Texas is doing. But the, the backlash of that was that it kind of woke up some far-left people who were otherwise preoccupied, and they're beginning to focus on this. So that's what's driving... Nancy Pelosi, this time to push this through. We'll keep you informed about it. If the vote takes place today, it'll probably be passed in the House. The Senate will be a different matter, although it will be closed because there are Republicans who intend, not many, but like Collins from Maine and some that intend to vote for this because they're pro-abortion. Anyway, pro-life organizations are warning of the steep ramifications of this should it be passed into law. It's just unbelievably, it's barbaric, to be honest with you. But the text of the bill itself reads, quote, a health care provider has a statutory right under this act to provide abortion services and may provide abortion services, and that provider's patient has a corresponding right to receive such services without any of the following limitations or requirements. Then it goes, I'm not going to read any more of it, but then it goes into this long list of examples of pro-life regulations and restrictions on abortion that states have done. So it's going to override states' rights and state laws regarding abortion, it's actually going to not only codify Roe v. Wade into law, but it's going to go beyond that. In fact, Melanie Israel, uh, she writes for the Heritage, uh, the Heritage Foundation, she wrote an article and she said this, this is not just codifying Roe v. Wade into, um, into the law, into the Constitution, so to speak. She writes that the egregious mischaracterization understates just how radical the proposal actually is and warns that legislation, quote, goes far beyond the already permissible regime permitted under Americans' existing, existing abortion laws. One of the things that I noticed in this, and I spent a little time on it, it also states that, quote, this act supersedes and applies to the law of the federal government and each state government. So it is actually nullifying laws, federally or state laws, that they don't like, that put any kind of restriction on abortion. It is demonic, this bill. I don't know how else to describe it. The Biden family is not known, I mean, They're not known for being fully transparent in their business dealings. I've talked about it some on this program over the years. Back when he was vice president, he was wheeling and dealing. His brother, President Joe Biden's brother, I think his name is James, if I'm not mistaken. He's been involved in all kinds of skullduggery as a result of being the brother of Joe Biden, then vice president, formerly a senator, now president. So this is kind of a... continuation of that. But let me talk to you a little bit about what's out there now. New emails reveal that Hunter Biden demanded a $2 million retainer plus success fees. (laughs) That is, if he succeeded, he would get more than the $2 million per year to unlock Libyan assets frozen by Barack Obama, who was president, and Joe Biden, vice president, during the Obama-Biden administration. Though President Biden has claimed ignorance, and he does so again and again about his family's business schemes, these emails, more than any yet exposed, suggest otherwise. Biden's worldwide web seems to be widening, and I'm not talking about Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook. I'm talking about this web of corruption. And, and, and money gathering, it, it is, it, it's stunning, to say the least. And it's almost without any concern of any kind of consequence, other than just getting richer. It sounds like something Shakespeare might have said, but it was Sir Walter Scott who wrote, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. I want to talk a little bit about that web today. The first email was dated on January 28, 2015. It is now public. Business Insider reported on Thursday, yesterday, that the first email was sent from this Sam Jahari. He's a Democrat donor with businesses in the Persian Gulf, big supporter of both Obama and Biden. He's helping to spearhead and has been helping to spearhead this Libya project. That's what it's called. You'll recall that Hunter Biden has been involved with China. He harvested several millions of dollars out of China. He's been involved with the Ukraine. And he gets—he still gets paid, although President Biden promised you know, his fist on the lectern when he got elected. Hunter Biden will no longer be involved. Well, he's still involved and he still gets his somewhere between 60000 and $80,000 a month check for sitting on the board of Burisma, which is a very, very corrupt uh, natural gas company. But actually, in the Ukraine, it's an energy company, but they, they deal with natural gas primarily. So anyway, all these people are interconnected. It is a web. I mean, there's no question about that. So anyway, now this is about Libya. This is yet another um, opportunity for the Biden family. This email was addressed to Sheikh Mohammed Al-Rabani. He's another Obama campaign donor involved in the uh, proposal. In the email, Jahardi is very frank about what Biden would bring to the table and what he says Biden wanted in return. Here's his email. I'm going to quote it, and I'll make a couple of explanations because they're using little abbreviations here. But here's the email. Per phone conversation, I met with number two son. He wants $2 per year retainer plus success fees. That's clarified later as $2 million per year plus success fees. He wants to hire his own people. It can be close circle of people for confidentiality. His dad is deciding to run or not. That would be Joe Biden, his dad, deciding whether or not he's going to run for president at this time. The email continues. His positives are he is chairman of UN World Food Program, son number two, who has a Libya file, access to state, treasury, business partner, secretary of state. Now they're talking about John Kerry's son, who is a business partner with Hunter Biden. They're talking about him, John Forbes Kerry and son. Since he travels with dad is connected, they're back now to Hunter is connected everywhere in Europe, Asia, and where MQ—that's Muammar Gaddafi—and LIA—that's Libya Investment Authority—had money frozen. He said he has access to highest level in PRC—that's People's Republic of China—and uh, of U.S. Uh, of U.S. Army uh, and authorities. He also uh, can help us in that regard, or I think that's what it means, is regard, in that way. His negatives, this thing continues, are that he is alcoholic, drug addict, kicked out of U.S. Army for cocaine, chasing low-class hookers, constantly needs money, liquidity problems, and many more headaches. We should meet in Strawn or London to decide next steps. As a part of this deal... Jahari and his partners were apparently offered a 5% finder's fee for unfreezing these Libyan funds. This is common. Our government and other governments will freeze funds of terrorist organizations or ne'er-do-wells, I mean, people that are up to no good. They'll do this as, as a way of controlling and kind of shutting them down. So this, this is not uncommon. But the point is they're trying to get these Libyan funds released, and Hunter is saying... And telling them, I have the influence, my dad, you know, blah, 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 can do this. And it, it involves hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. So it's not clear if Hunter's success fee would be carved out of the finder's fee or if it had come out of the other. It doesn't matter. They're going to pay him. Hunter brags in his own book about how he has connections with the world's big money players. The Los Angeles Times finally did put their toe in the water, though, the other day, and they noted that Hunter obtained a special meeting with Jordan's King Abdullah simply about the so-called Syrian refugee problem, only because he was Joe's son, the vice president of the United States at that time. In his book, Hunter wrote this, quote, the only reason the King had agreed to meet was out of respect for my dad. I guess you could chalk it up to nepotism in the best possible way. The second email was dated February 26, 2016. And I should note that this was not from the laptop that was seized by the FBI that was given to Rudy Giuliani and he turned it over to the authorities. This is more uh, of the same that was on that uh, laptop. And I'll come back to that in a moment if we have time. But in the second email, Jahari al-Rabani, he received a report from this John uh, Sandwick, I think is the way you pronounce his name. It's kind of an odd spelling. But anyway, he's a Washington, uh, D.C. lawyer, and he served as acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, under Obama. He's now reaching out to Biden's team wanting to be a part of it and get a part of the money. He said, I spoke with HB's team yesterday in his email. Hunter Biden's team yesterday. They're interested in the project, but emphasized that for them to get involved, the team lobbyists, lawyers, PR would need to be a small group of folks they have a tight relationship with. They do not want a large group involved. And the only people with whom they have a close relationship with due to the sensitivities surrounding their involvement. So he was making a case to become the lawyer in this group that's Hunter Biden's group. Well, Jahari wound up hiring a different law firm, but they move forward with it. They didn't include this guy. Apparently, they didn't like him or whatever. But anyway, it's been confirmed that the laptop in the local shop back, remember when that was in there? That is indeed hunters. They were trying to say it wasn't. A new book out this week by a guy named Ben uh, Schreckinger. He's not been in the public a lot, but he says, the buy, and people are buying the book substantially so, Inside the First Family's 50-Year Rise to Power is the title of the book, and he talks a lot about this, and it details the evidence that Hunter did receive these emails and all of his Burisma, China, it, it's all there in his on his laptop. Peter Schweizer, who is well-known, he's a senior Fox contributor, best-selling author, he highlights Joe's direct involvement with Hunter's business schemes in his book. Now the press is starting to wake up to all of this, and they're starting to see that, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. All of this is on the verge of coming out into the public. I wanted to simply talk about it for a couple of minutes today to give you a perspective on this. Samuel Adams, a founder of our country, said this in a letter to James Warren, He wrote it on November 4th, 1775. He said, nothing is more essential to the establishment of manners in a state that all persons employed in places of power and trust be men of exceptional characters. The public cannot be too curious concerning the character of public men. I'm simply saying that I think it's time that we get a little more curious about the public men and the public women that we have elected. Chief Justice John Jay, the first one, he said, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers. Maybe we can get it right next time.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.